The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guns up. Guns up, kitty. Guys, welcome to Stop Podcast, the number one show where police meet society and culture. Today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. If you're just tuning in for the first time, we do four shows here on the Failure to Stop channel, starting every Tuesday with the beautiful and audacious Andrea Uplate, bringing you all the mayhem and murder one could need for a true crime Tuesday. Following that up on Thursday morning with the release of Last Call by myself that's giving you all the other news that's out there. So you have something else to talk about over the weekend to your civilian friends. You don't sound like an asshole first responder in front of everyone. Uh, Friday and Thursday night, Calm Center with Drew Breezy and Jonathan Bates. Uh, great call-in show for dispatchers, by dispatchers, actually for everybody, but it's by dispatchers, so you'll love it. And then, of course, our Friday flagship show, The Breakdown. Today's case breakdown is going to be the sex scandal that's coming out of Tennessee right now. We've got a lot to talk about. We're bringing in a real expert, and I'll introduce him shortly but before we do that, if you want to support the show, head over to YouTube and subscribe. Hit that like button if you're there. If you're on podcast, which most of you are, 99% of you are on podcast, give us a rating and review. That's what you can do to help the show. If you want to go that extra mile, you can become a paid member, get you back to our access to our uh our discord uh channel and it also gets you some live streaming uh, that other people aren't uh, able to see um uh, during the week. So those are the ways that you can support the show. Speaking of rating and reviews, Elijah, our beautiful producer back there, the underpaid producer, do we have any ratings or reviews this week? I'm going to let you read that, Drew Breezy, because my eyes aren't that big. This is a, far, well, yeah, you don't need, you don't necessarily need big eyes. You just need big text. So there's a five-star review from somebody who identifies themselves as team player 79. It was left a couple of days ago on the 13th of Enero, January. Uh, and the title is best out there. Uh, I'm not big into podcasts, but I stumbled a, uh, a, a, I stumbled a tossed this show a few years back and man, I was hooked. Give these shows a download and a listen. You won't be disappointed from Eric's anti from Eric's antics to Andrea's eye rolls and dead silence to Eric's lameness or Drew's knowledge and true heart for it all sided with John's tenacity and experience on the job brings a riveting good time for some real punches in the fields exclamation. Oh, oh. team player 69 would be way better. This is a live show, and we had Mike the Cop blessing us today in his live show. So thank you, Mike the Cop, for coming in. We love you. We miss you. We miss you a lot. We Got anything else in there, Elijah? Okay, cold point. Another five-star review. That's 10 stars between two reviews right there, that, if my math is right. This is from cold point nine, uh, 954. After hearing criminalizing the criminal pod, that was the podcast we just did uh, last week, Eric and I did, um, and uh, it was released on all of your podcast platforms. Hopefully you're downloading that. Uh, I might book a trip to this, quote, art gallery 
and leave a message on the phone booth to remind people of the criminal record that led up to this uh, people being, quote, murdered by police. I think that should be a failure to stop a road trip as long as Tansy drives the RV. We will definitely have to get at least a six packs bus to do that. And this is the last one, by the way. Here's the last one. Uh, Armin's moist exclamation point. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Armin's moist. And uh, this is simply titled uh, five, another five-star review. This is simply titled hard. I love staying hard on my blue chew while staying cool on this luxurious ghost bed while listening to the sweet sensual voice of skate daddy transy. Oh, thank you so much, Armin. And I'm glad that you are. I'm glad that you are moist. Oh, well, that's it. That's it for the reviews. Um, we're going to skip the news because we got a lot to uncover today. And I want to jump right into the breakdown. We're about to enter. We're about to uh, announce our guests here. Um, I know that you said you had like a little bio that you wanted to read. Uh, go ahead and announce this guest and let's jump in. This is going to be the Laverne sex scandal uh, that took place in Tennessee over the course of the holidays in December. And uh, I could not just break this down alone with Drew. We had to bring in a real expert. We went against everything that I preach about. We'll get to that later. But we have brought in a special guest. Who well, is our guest? Uh, this is just off the top of my head. Marlon Marachi. Not Mariachi, as we discussed earlier in the week. Marlon Marachi is a 24-year LAPD veteran and has over 12 years of police misconduct investigation experience. And much of his experience comes from when he was assigned to internal affairs, obviously LAPD being a very large organization. The numerous cases he tried involved false and misleading allegations where termination was at issue, so very important topics. He was also uh, he has also been assigned to the officer representation section, something I wasn't familiar with, but I'm glad exists. And uh, that defends uh, defends and represents the rank and file. Most importantly, during the administrative process in an officer involved shooting, we know how harrowing those can be and other critical incidents. He's protective of the police officer or the, I'm sorry, of the peace officer bill of rights, having the lens from both sides of the table. So after a great active duty stint in the U S Navy, he joined the LAPD in 1998. He worked as a patrol officer. He was promoted to Sergeant in 2007 and his passion was re-energized when he was chosen to work in uh, ORS and, and an IA and his recent retirement. Congratulations. Welcome to the rank of retirement. Not so fast, Marlon. His recent retirement from the LAPD uh, didn't last long due to an offer as a lieutenant at a local department that he couldn't refuse. And most impressive uh, and something I identify with, Marlon possesses a Juris Doctorate from Pacific Coast University School of Law. He was actually going to become a full-time police attorney until he was offered this recent position. My hat is off to you, Marlon, because... I, too, went to school full-time while I was working as a cop full-time, and I know the demands and the rigors that uh, creates. So let's welcome our guest, Marlon Maracci. And here he is. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Drew. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on. I know what a lot of you guys are thinking out there in the live chats. What's going on with Failure Stop 2.0? What's going on? Tansy has an IA guy. There's one, if there's two people I shit on the most in this world, it's internal affairs agents and state troopers. Um, and I know that, but I would also be hypocritical uh, in the fact that I've always said, we see the acronym ACAB a lot. All cops are bad. And there are people who genuinely 
really, truly in the deepest, darkest parts of their brains and their hearts believe that literally all cops are bad. Are bad. I personally, in the back of my heart, feel all internal affairs agents are bad and politicians are bad. I always joke about the state troopers, but I'll give them a pass. Most of them are bad. Um, again, those are jokes. But we always try to give a different perspective to society and culture to prove that not all cops are bad. And so in this case, I have the opportunity presented to me by Drew Breezy to sit down with a real internal affairs agent from a massive real department, Los Angeles PD, very famous. If you've never heard of them, look it up. Um, and so maybe, maybe my mind will be changed about internal affairs. And I'm excited to dive into this. I'm, I'm excited. I'm coming into it with an open mind. However, I do have my biases and I do have my strong opinions and we're going to get to those civilly, of course. Um, but for all of you out there who are like this sellout has an internal affairs guys on not selling out. I'm just trying to learn my enemy guys. I'm just trying to get inside my, the more, do you know, what does the GI Joe say? Uh, Keep your enemies close. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's like, uh, no, now, you know, and knowing is half the battle. You gotta know, baby, you gotta know what's going on. Uh, so know. Marlon, um, before we dive into this case and we're going to need yes. internal affairs because I, I have a lot to say about this case. I'm going to try yes. to stay on topic though. Um, yeah. My biggest beef with internal affairs is that not all internal affairs agents start out bad. I don't believe that all politicians start out bad. However, when you become, and, and most IA agents are chosen, they don't really apply. I mean, a lot of internal affairs agencies that I know of are chosen by the department, not, they didn't apply to, to be internal affairs. Mm -hmm. Is that the way it is in LAPD or no? Yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's a, Prestigious. So you, it's a sergeant. When you become a police sergeant, uh, in terms of ranks and pay grades, it's a sergeant one position. And then all of a sudden you apply for internal affairs and it's a sergeant two position. So technically it's supposed to be like a promotion. It's an advanced pay grade. But yeah, I mean, you're chosen and just prestigious and, you know, your game better be tight, man, when it comes to investigating. And that's what it's supposed to be. But yeah, we'll get into uh, how... It doesn't really turn out that way. <laughs> so I know in the Raleigh Police Department, you do not apply to be internal affairs. They select you. So if you're a sergeant or you're a detective, because it starts at detective and then sergeant and lieutenant can all be internal affairs, they will come to you and say, okay, you have been promoted to sergeant and you are going to the internal affairs division. And then you really don't get an option after that. Uh, you do, but it's uh, they've they've always said it's kind of like a career ender if you make sergeant and they put you in a division and then you don't go to that division. Um, just like if you become detective and they put you in like uh, robbery and you're like, I do not want to go to robbery. I'm not going to go to robbery. Um, chances are you'll you'll never move anywhere else from where they put you ever again. Right. So um, my problem with with the way that internal affairs has always worked is that once you become internal affairs. Um, no matter what, you know, what you think you're going to be like, just like a politician, right? Like you're going to go in, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to fix things. But once you get there, you are used as a tool of that department. And if somebody needs to be fired because the chief wants them to be fired, then it is on the internal affairs shoulders to make that happen. And I've always said that if you follow a car long enough, you can make a traffic stop. They will touch the yellow line. They will touch the white line. They will go one mile an hour over the speed limit. They will go, uh, they will forget to use their blinker. Something will happen. If you follow a car long enough, they break the rules. And if an internal affairs looks into any officer hard enough, there's always going to be at least one fireable offense. And so the problem I've always had is, is that when 
HR, the mayor, the city manager doesn't like something about a cop. It is in the internal affairs job to make that cop go away. And that's where I've always had the problem because I don't understand how you, you can, you can do that. It's, it's almost like you sell, you sell out. out. Yeah. Okay. If, if I may ask Eric, how, how big is that, uh, rally's department? Uh, I, if, if you're just going sworn officers, sworn. 700, 700. Okay. And how big is the, um, internal affairs? How many sergeants or whatever that you can recount? Oh uh, man, I, I would probably guess three sergeants, probably three lieutenants and, and probably two detectives. Okay. Hang on one second, Marlon, do we need to put him under oath before we ask him any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but so, you know, it's not just the Raleigh police department. It's like agencies like Hillsborough. Like I've, right. I've met with yes. several okay. officers and that's, you know, a couple, 3000 officers. Or something like right. That. So the reason why I ask, um, in terms of size, uh, is because, Unfortunately, in my experience and talking to a lot, becoming a guest in a lot of these podcasts is that I run into a lot of small agencies. And unfortunately, you are speaking right on the spot when it comes to, it doesn't really become about the actual alleged allegations. At some point it becomes personal. And at some point it's very self-serving. And at some point you want to just say, you know what, I don't like that dude get them out of here. And it can be for something as simple as a traffic stop for discourteous remarks, right? Some type of that allegation, or it can be for serious, serious misconduct, uh, false statements or misleading statements being one of those. Now, and obviously take that in, in, in the grand scheme of things in terms of the city of Los Angeles, LAPD, you're talking over 9,000, um, you know, police officers at one point, I think it's a little lower now, uh, like probably anywhere else in the nation. But with that being said, when I was an advocate and we have the special, unique uh, tribunal hearing called the border rights hearing where you're facing serious, serious misconduct. Well, at one point, there must have been maybe 100 in one year. And out of the 100, there's a directed order by the chief saying, hey, listen, this conduct is so serious. I'm going to direct you to this hearing. My recommendation is removal for you to be fired. But I'm going to wait for this panel. I'm going to wait for these hearing officers to make the decision. It's a full-blown civil trial. Now, those are about 50. So 50 out of 100, and if you take 9,000 sworn uh, members, I mean, what are we looking at? 0.0000.8% of the sworn population that really commits these really bad stuff. And all three of us can agree that you don't want no bad actor on your, uh, on your department. If you're a liar, you know, you got to go. Right. Um, unfortunately, what gives... I'll give you an example. Out of the 30 plus border rights that I have done, five of them have been righteous terminations, right? But the question is, what happens to those other 25? Those other 25 is like, really, dude? We had to go through all this, three or four days of hearings, testimony, examining evidence, and doing all this stuff to do what? To give this guy a paper penalty and official reprimand? You guys could have settled this, you know, what happened, Marlon? Well, I'm like, hey, I'm just a little sergeant, man. I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I'm a lieutenant, you know, and then didn't tell me what to do. So even in a big agency, and this is the punchline that goes to your point, Eric, and even in my huge big agency, and there's many levels of review, six minimum, before you go to the chief and say, hey, this is what we're recommending, it gets personal. And it's pretty self-serving. And that's the shitty part about why throughout the entire deck, all these decades, right? 
internal affairs gets such a bad rap. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, and, and I guess I, I do have a bias here because I, I was officer of the year, fired the same year for owning a distillery in a different county. Um, I was given an opportunity to resign, um, but because I had been building the distillery for two years, everybody knew it. I had permission uh, from, from I uh, used the chain of command and it got to the city manager's office that I was opening a distillery and the city manager didn't like it. And so the chief being the pawn of the city manager immediately launched you know, brought me into internal affairs and was like, you're, you're, you know, you got it, you got to end this whole thing. But it ended up being and not about the distillery. What they started doing was just finding anything and everything that I did wrong. I told a gentleman that he was disgusting. The guy said, Hey man, why do you hate me so much? This is your third time you've, you've hit my house with a search warrant. And I said, sir, one, I don't hate you. I think you're disgusting um, to live like this. I mean, there's human feces on the floor. There's more beer cans in your baby's crib than there are, you know, teddy bears, which is a problem. Um, so I don't hate you, but the reason why we do these, these search warrants are because people keep dying in your home of overdoses. And, and so, and I said it just like that, just super articulable. Like, I don't hate you. I just think you're disgusting. Now I have known this guy for like four or five years. And I know that I can say that. And somebody that I don't even know made that complaint. Um, and I think it was a body camera audit that heard it. Um, but then there was another body camera audit where I said, I hate people in my car by myself on the phone with my wife. They sent me to uh, five weeks of anger management, took my gun and badge away for six months um, for saying, I hate people. I've never had a complaint. Uh, um, again, officer of the year, uh, peer very high with my squad, huge team player, uh, never complained, not a griper. And, and so, but I knew what was going on. I knew that it had to do with the distillery being open and they were just going to keep going at me until they, until they could just eventually fire me. And, and, and I, I held on there and then they eventually j just fired me for, you know, they would take pictures of me going to the distillery and, and then all these things, but it was all for unbecoming of an officer. So, and, so but my point to that is, is that, uh, it, it's very offensive to me that you can find somebody that's, that's a good human being. That's a good cop. That's a decent cop that, that, that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. It has gone seven years with very little complaints and very high quality numbers. Um, and then you go after them and, and nitpick them until you can find something to get rid of them. And, you know, I think that's just why I've always really just hated IA because I'm not the only person that that's happened to. But I, no. I think we can, I think we can heal a couple of wounds. If we just, if we hear a few key phrases here, Marlon and, and, and you don't, I, I'm not trying to hold you to anything, but I know, mm -hmm. I know guys that have run the internal affairs uh, or professional standards, you know, where I worked uh -huh. and um, it, it's, it's quite simple. Like, just like you said a second ago, when you talk about smaller departments or small town politics, sometimes and the layers of it being personal, I, I, I don't, I don't take you as the type of person that has not lost sleep over some cases. Like, you know, that they're dead set on finding something and you're just like, you're fighting an, an internal, no pun intended, uh, an internal battle of your own where you're probably losing sleep, having nightmares, having to do the the bidding for uh, a bunch of guys who don't have the, the courage to go out and fight fires on the street, just like, you know, Eric did. I, I yeah, Interesting you say that. It's probably out of my 15 years of being a sergeant in different assignments, this assignment in it itself was the most emotional. Um, roller coaster that I've been through because half of you is thinking, wow, you know, uh, can you, I mean, damn, man, I, I've done some stuff, but <laughs> not this kind of stuff. Right. 
<laughs> and then the other half goes to a lot of what Eric is talking about. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to go on this tour as a guest is because more often than not, we get it wrong. We do. We do. We get it more wrong than we get it right. In other words, we, we eat our own. I mean, perfect example is Eric's, uh, you know, caper. I mean, his incident in it itself where, you know, you have one individual and they get it out for you and it's very self-serving and it's very direct. You know what? I'm not going to let Eric show me up like that. I'm not going to let Eric, you know, it's all, it's, it's just, ego, it's very egocentric on behalf of, I mean, what chief haven't you met, you know, that doesn't have an ego and says, you know what, I'm not going to let him get it, get it up on me. Who the hell does he think he is to have a off-duty job? He truly belongs to be in the rank and file and you should be a police officer 24 seven because that's what the culture dictates for all of us to do. And so when you fall or deviate from that, you know, that mission, that idea, then all of a sudden, you know what? All eyes are on you. And since you're the boss, as opposed to being a chief, like, you know what? Okay, cool. He's working off duty. All right, let's, you know, let's figure out what this is all about. Does he have a permit? Okay, great. If he does, he does. And one of the things that happens with internal affairs that goes to Eric's point is that there's a bifurcation. So for example, if I'm in a compelled interview of internal affairs, well, one of your rights is that me as a department have to let you know the nature of this particular investigation. Hey, today we're going to be discussing about the neglected duty or the failure to do blah, blah, blah. And we're also going to talk about those discourteous remarks. Those are the only that happened on this day that happened with Mr. Johnson. That's what we're going to be talking about. That's the line of questioning that I'm going to be asking you. Now, in somewhere in that compelled interview, you happen to tell me something that might be, you know, alleged misconduct, like, I don't know where you just confer with your attorney, you come back and say, hey, well, you know what? Well, you know, I forgot to tell you that during this traffic stuff, I kind of, you know, wasted some evidence or I destroyed some, what, 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 what? <laughs> you did what? I threw a bag of weed out. Okay, whoa, 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 time out. So you have an option. So now it gets a little bit bifurcated, right? So you start deviating and start going, okay, I didn't come into this interview to ask you questions about what you just told me. So we can do two things. One, we can take a break and you can confer with your attorney and we can get back in and let me kind of, you know, figure out what kind of questions I'm going to ask you about what you just told me, or you can just reschedule it. You see what I'm saying? So when you start going on this fishing expedition, if you will, that's just all personal, man. And, you know, as much as I hate to say this, but uh, Eric, they had it out for you. So you well, were well, I think everybody scope. knew that. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. Well, that that's the problem. The problem is. So that affects I suppose from, the from zero, so from zero body camera audits to like <laughs> two and three months. Yeah. And, they, you know, like, and they just happen to find that one clip of me being in the car all by myself, talking to my wife on the phone and saying, God, I hate people. You know, it's like <laughs> no cussing, no swearing, just, just just like when there's a bad officer involved shooting or something or, or there's a, a case where, you know, an NYPD cop tunes somebody up. We all yes. pay the price, but he's but but Marlon's paying the price for what Raleigh did, in other words. And, and there are there are internal affairs or professional standards units with full integrity. I'm not, I'm not calling uh, Raleigh's IA unit into, uh, you know, whether they had lack integrity or not, but w when people start making things personal and making your uh, internal affairs, people do all your dirty work. This is what happens. Everybody across the nation gets a bad reputation. 
Right. And, and I think if, you know, and again, I'm just speaking out of, you know, just opinions in, in terms of, as Eric is telling me his story, I'm thinking, okay, if I was an IA, it could be, and I might be wrong, but it could be that the investigators themselves probably didn't even like doing the things that they were doing because they were given a direct order by command staff, like, dude, you need to follow him. Dude, you need to go do this. You need to do that. You need to audit, you know, his videos. You need to do all this. And so it becomes, again, not so much about the process because it goes to Drew's point. Internal affairs, for the most part, there's some good people. I mean, you, you, look, I want my partner to be an IA investigator because I go to what my model always say is that no stone goes unturned. I know that if you go to IA, you're going to do everything, anything you need to do to ensure that I'm exonerated or that this complaint is going to be adjudicated as unfounded, right? Because I know Marlon, right? So what? Marlon, no way. There's no way that Marlon did this because I know Marlon and I work with Marlon. So even though you're not supposed to be biased, and yes, it's supposed to be fair and impartial, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking there's just no way. You know, In other words, I'm kind of a bit shocked that someone would make these kind of allegations against my ex-partner Marlon, right? And so I'm going to do everything and anything going with the intent that, you know what, this is going to be unfounded. This is going to be exonerated. But all of a sudden, you know, that shock happens and, oh, shit, you know what? Damn, Marlon, you know, the evidence shows that, you know, my fact-finding mission shows that Marlon probably did something like that. Now, that more often than not doesn't happen. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. From 2011 to 2015, when I was in internal affairs, and don't quote me on the exact numbers, but there's probably about north of 3,000 complaints in the city of Los Angeles against LAPD officers, all right? So think about that, right? Out of the 3,000, I want to say, just give or take maybe 1,000 or even less are internal. So let's just say for argument's sake, north of 2,000, 96.6% of those complaints come back unfounded. So what does that tell you? What that tells you is that the majority of citizens, community members, emails that get sent in anonymous or whatever the case may be, come back as a bunch of BS is what it really comes down to. Discrimination and profiling are probably like through the roof, but in actuality, yes. you just you, you just pulled a car over and you had no idea who, you know, the cop just pulled a car over. You had no idea who was driving. Right. So, so that guy, the the, the, per, the driver perceives that he was- <laughs> I pulled you over for a tinted window violation. You pulled me because I'm black. I'm not, no, I, I I couldn't see you. So I, yeah. I had no idea oh, who yeah. you were. <laughs> oh, interesting you say that. We ran, a, we launched in 2014 a bias police mediation program where I actually was the broker. I said, hey, you know what? Well, they pulled me over because of my race, because I'm black. You know what? Look, here's the deal, Mr. Johnson. Um, we have this program where you can go and do mediation. Uh, it's totally voluntary. It's by a city attorney who's a certified mediator. You're more than welcome to walk in and let bygones be bygones. Tell that officer exactly how you feel, right? And, and let's have it out. You know, hopefully we can get through an impasse because it's a conflict, right? We don't want you to go through driving through the city of Los Angeles thinking that LAPD is pulling people over because right. of your race. So I tell you what, would you be interested in doing this? Yeah, I want to go. I want to go tell the officers. Then. The hard, and then I tell the officers and sell it to them. They're like, yeah. So it goes to Eric's point. A couple of these mediation sessions, like, Mr. Johnson, what are you talking about, dude? You had tenant windows and you like flew by me like at 40 miles an hour. And I was just sitting there talking to my partner and next thing I'm pulling you over. And the first time that I actually saw you is when I 
got face to face next to your window when you rolled your window down. Yeah, you almost want to say, "Are you, are you sure, Mr. Johnson?" And he's like, "Uh, oh, are you okay. sure you want us to play the body worn camera, Mr. Johnson?" Yeah, sure? and again, this program started in 2014, so it's pretty great program. Video. But nowadays, yeah, demonstrably false. Uh, Mr. Johnson, you'd like to come in and uh, watch the body worn video because I think that what you're telling me is not exactly how it really, really went down, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well, I, you know, today's case. Uh, we can we Let's can go. say that the Laverne Police Department uh, newly assigned patrol officer Megan Hall was not racist. She no. definitely <laughs> was not a racist. And we're going to jump into that. Before we jump into that, uh, we're going to head over to this Ghostbed ad read really quickly. Uh, Ghostbed has been a loyal sponsor uh, for for this show for, since its inception, since the beginning. And right now, they're offering thirty five percent off Ghostbed bundles, where you can get a mattress and adjustable base. Uh, or if you use that promo code Wolfpack, ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Sleep so good, it's scary. Um, you know, there's. I, I wonder if a lot of these things that happened in today's breakdown happened on a ghost bed. I hope they did uh, because it would have just made it all worth it. Uh, if you could have these experiences on a ghost bed, fire me. Just give me that opportunity. I just want it on a ghost bed and not some bullshit hotel mattress. But I, I think... Um, some I don't think did. that's what happened here. Uh, Ghostbed offers bundles right now. Uh, so does the Laverne Police Department. Um, you can get everything that you need. You don't even have to really think about it. Just choose from their four mattresses and pick your bundle. Pick from your five officers. Whether you just need a mattress and a frame or you want it all, <laughs> man, this is too easy. Uh, like their cooling <laughs> sheets and their cooling hoodies. Somebody wanted it all at that department. Somebody wanted all of them. Uh, you can get the best bang for your buck. Right now, GhostBed is offering a flash sale. 35% off GhostBed bundles. You get a mattress and adjustable base. Just use that promo code Wolfpack. GhostBed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So, um, you know. Uh, if you're at your so local PD, get that one setting. girl that you're uh, yeah. that you're having an orgy with. Get her a ghost bed for Valentine's Day. Let her know that you care. <laughs> Let her know that you really care. Get her a ghost bed, baby. Oh, um, the three of us are going to have fun with this one. Okay, now let me let me go ahead and jump into the today's breakdown. I know you want to. Why do we care? Mike the cop was in here. The famous Mike the cop says, "Why does it matter? Tons of police officers are having orgies and threesomes and a lot of sex." Um, I think it matters for a couple of reasons, and it doesn't matter for for more reasons. But why it does matter is uh, a lot of these officers were superior officers, and and they lied. And that's the big deal here. For me, that's the big deal. If you lie, you can't be a cop. I don't think any cop should ever uh, be able to get away with any type of lie, big or small. Matter of fact, at our department, they left a ten dollar bill on a on a desk. It's been there. I don't. I I want to say it's been there for like fifteen years. Um, it might be longer than that now. It might be pushing 20 years. Nobody's ever touched that $10 bill because nobody knows who it belongs to. But some academy said, we don't know who it is. The instructors didn't know whose it was. That's the legend. And so everybody just left it there. And it's been there ever since. And that kind of just goes to the integrity I, I, uh, of what a police department is. So lying to me automatically gets you fired. You cannot yes. lie as a police officer. You, um, you'll have, uh, just, just for the civilians in the audience even, you'll have issues in court. If you're, they're going to do uh, what's called a Brady hearing, Brady or Giglio hearing, if you have to go testify in a major trial. And that means that your internal affairs uh, history has to be disclosed to the defense. And they're going to see that you have been um, through an internal affairs investigation where it was sustained that you were untruthful, therefore you're no longer a credible witness. So if you're being paid by a department to be a credible witness in court, 
it's going to be a hard justification to keep you around and pay, give you a fat paycheck if you can't even do one of the main things it is, uh, which is testifying. Your, your testimony is kind of not credible anymore because you've been caught lying. So it's almost sometimes um, to mitigate that, it's almost sometimes better to just that it's always better to tell the truth, but it's sometimes better to just fall on the sword and admit what you've done and, and just see where it goes uh, from yeah. there. So th th to me, that's the, the biggest takeaway from here, but uh, why it's become a meme, meme, memeable thing. One, we love to make fun of cops, right? Uh, that, that's the most fun. If this happened in a fire department, probably nobody would really care. This happened yeah. in the 82nd airborne where they had to shut down an entire barracks for almost over a year um, for an investigation where they were having porn shoots inside well, of the barracks building. They had turned it into the top floor was, uh, was abandoned. There wasn't anybody up there. And so they had turned it into a porno porno studio and they were paying other soldiers, girls and guys to come up there and partake in, in these six, the sex films. I think the, the, the porn hub handle for that was uh, men of the 82nd. If I, if I can if I recall it correctly, and I'm not joking. Now. Um, <laughs> but um, it's happening in the fire department as we speak. Sex on duty uh, or, or sex in a police department is nothing new to this profession. In fact, if you've ever been to a police ball or you've been to an Emerald Society's ball or even the big blue line bash in Washington, D.C., you've got a bunch of testosterone filled, mainly dudes, a department that that has ups and downs of enormous amounts of stress. Their marriages are, are, are train wreck in a lot of cases. Um, and, and so it's a perfect recipe for disgusting behavior the police departments don't spend a lot of time in your ethics training talking about it and i think that's part of the problem luckily for me i was born with a set of morals and values of don't cheat on my wife uh my that was probably my dad's biggest mantra growing up was even if you had a girlfriend you didn't cheat on them you didn't uh you, you always respected women you know probably more than you know than than they would want you to respect them. And so for me, it was never really an issue. Cheating on my wife has, has never been an issue. It's never uh, been a real temptation of mine be just because it doesn't exist in my brain. But I've seen almost, I would say 95% of the people I work with that, are, that I call my friends have probably done it once or twice. So I know that it's nothing new to the profession. But you don't hear the profession talk about it very much, probably because a lot of the IA people and the upper management is involved in it. I would say there's a good percentage of upper management that cheats on their wives with other officers that work. My sergeants, I've had two sergeants or that have got wrapped in the past. up. Like, What's that? They're not the, or have in the past. They're not or have in the past. Not not a uh, pristine uh, background. I mean, right. But it's well, it's got to be addressed in these moral, these ethics things. We yes. talk a lot about don't steal. We talk a lot about all these other things, but we don't talk about moral, uh, like real, true moral. You know, we don't talk about honesty and and telling the truth, but we allow our friends in the police department to cheat on their wives, knowing that lying is the number one rule that we don't break. But we know Correct. that our friend is cheating on their wives and we don't hold them accountable. Sometimes we celebrate it. Sometimes we're like, Dan, did you bag that chick last night, dog? Did you bag that chick last night? And and and, and, and we almost celebrate it. Um, we, there's got to be a point, and probably in the 90s, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the 90s, I'm sure it was probably a bigger deal to not cheat on your wife. I think nowadays, we're allowing all sorts of lewd things to kind of creep their way into the police departments. We, we kind of allow different kinks to be coming in. We had a sergeant that uh, that got caught. He's still a sergeant uh, looking, uh, having 
hundreds of feet pictures uh, from a mall on his phone. Uh -huh. Wow. <laughs> on his police phone, working off duty at the mall. Hmm. Hundreds of feet pictures. So, so what do you think, Marlon? I mean, where, do, where does well, the sex scandal fit into the... Yeah, well, let's... Um, Eric brings up so many good points. First and foremost, when we start talking about moral ethics, and if it's out, if the door is open, the cat's out of the bag, unfortunately, there's something you got to do about that, right? And it falls under the umbrella of kind of unbecoming, right? That cubo, that unbecoming right. conduct. You know, in other words, how are we going to, I suppose, adjudicate this, right? I mean, we'll go ahead and investigate it. And, and that's a whole different uh, angle that we're going to be discussing, because I agree. You want to fall on the sword. We preach this, oh, God, you got to be forthcoming. You have to be forthright. You have to be truthful and you have to be honest. And here you are in your compelled interview. And you're like, no, no I, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do it. You know, so that false statement, depending on how that interaction uh, in that compelled interview went, in other words, <laughs> hey, uh, Sarge, I got three other guys saying that you did and I got proof and I have it. See, that's where I gets the bad name is that sometimes you hide the ball, you know, and again, I'm just speculating here, but I'm thinking is that somewhere in that interview with those officers that got charged with a false statement, <laughs> don't just ask the question and then have that officer, the sergeant say, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. No, bro, you have a duty to, when you open up that door, you got to go all the way through. Okay, check this out. That's not what I heard. We have evidence. Or you confer with his or her attorney prior to the interview, prior to going on the record and say, look, man, I have A, B, and C, and I got this, and it's a done deal. So you need to tell your client to fall on the sword, right? Because now that we're breaking it down, what are we talking about? We're talking about having sexual relationships on duty. I'm to the point where I agree with, yes, it's a moral issue, but is it a fireable offense? I don't know that. You know, I don't I, think I, it I'm is. I'm not one. I mean, I, I don't think having sex at work. It, I mean, people do shit at work that they're not supposed to do all the time. What What is the difference in having sex on duty and I going agree. and grabbing Chick Fil A one mile out of your district and and not clocking out or, or you know what I mean and using the city vehicle and the city gas to go eat Chick Fil A? We all do it, I, I right? Think, we all do it. Look. What's the and difference I, in that and taking a right. quickie in and, the bathroom? And putting on my absolutely and putting my defense hat on. I need to know and read the policy as it relates to having on-duty relationships, right? So what's that policy? Besides the fact that maybe one of them came up to the captain or something and say, hey, listen, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm hooking up with uh, officer so-and-so. That's probably the smartest thing to do is say, hey, I'm hooking up with so-and-so. We work the same watch. We got to do something here because there might be a conflict, <laughs> right? And I don't know how big uh, uh, Laverne 60. is. It's 60. 60? Do you want to know the facts really quick before we jump yeah, into this? Do, it's, so I can it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it just kind of give you better context to, to, to yes, tell us about please. it. But uh, so she she had sex with uh, with multiple officers, if, at least okay. five. So right? 10, 10 percent of the department. <laughs> right, it's a sixty man department. Um, the problem with it is is that uh, it was almost all of their leadership. So you had. Uh, you had two sergeants, one being the sergeant uh, of K-9 uh, and SWAT. Um, you have a senior detective. 
you have another sergeant, we have another lieutenant involved, we have two regular officers involved, and another canine. So how many canines does a 60-man department have? You're talking about the canine handler, not the actual canine. Though, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, the handler. Yeah, the handler. Um, how many handlers do you think a 60-man department has? I would say one. Yeah, two. <laughs> right? Well, they have two in this case. Two. So, so she's fucking all the canine handlers. <laughs> right. uh, how many detectives does a 60-man department have? Yeah, that's true. Ten? Five? All right, so she's fucking 10% of she's the detectives. She's got 10% of them. And then you got a lieutenant and and you've got, uh, you know, two other patrol officers. Now, problem is, is that a lot of these guys were married. She's married, uh, supposedly in an open, open relationship with her husband. Her husband's still staying with her. Um, there was some threesomes. There is an incident that happened on a boat where it was a girls gone wild party on a sergeant's boat, um, on his houseboat off duty. Uh, that, um, that's where I was. Um, that's where I was differing, Eric. When when we were talking before we went on, I was like, some of this is just complete yeah. bullshit. Like, yeah, your girl's gone you, wild. Like, you can't take your fucking top off on a boat. But she didn't uh, even take your, it off. She she was flashed her titties. Yeah, she was shit hammered, and her top came off. And one of the other sergeants put it back on. But I, I mean, the problem is she's in a <laughs> in a hot tub on a houseboat with like two or three of her sergeants and she shit hammered. I mean, like, so core issues are different than what actually happened. But when somebody calls the mayor's office, this is how it gets spun up. Yeah. When somebody calls Please. the mayor's office and says, Hey, they had a girls gone wild party on a houseboat right. in a hot tub and the, she's fucking half the department. What, what do you think the mayor is going to do? You think he's just going to take that calmly or, or do you think he's going to envision the headline and, and get Marlon on the horn and say, uh, we got a huge mess here and I need you to straighten this out. Right. And, and here we go. And part of the problem is, is that you have all these different incidents. So it's accumulation of just a whole bunch of incidents that got some moral ethical tenets, so to speak. Right. And now you start thinking, okay, I understand it's more unethical. That's fine. But let's kind of dig in a little bit. Like, for example, while she's on duty, was she clear? Does she have radio calls she has to respond to? In other words, is, is there any type of, uh, does it, is it, is it impeding from her going to a radio call or she, I guess you guys call it 10, eight over here. They use the 10 codes. We, we call it being clear. You're clear. You have no radio calls or are you code six? Meaning are you at scene? I don't know. Those are the kind of things I need to find out. Kind of be very, very specific as to when this happened, how it happened, and then maybe perhaps look at the CAD. You know, I don't know. I don't, you know, those are the kind of things that we are, you know, I, I don't know what Eric has in front of you in terms of the entire uh, internal affairs investigation, but this is what's going on in my mind as I'm putting my IA hat on in terms of investigating and investigating only. So, what then what I the background of this is interview. I'm sorry. On the background of this, it says on Monday, December 12th, 2022, Director of Human Resources Andrew Patton received a phone call from Mayor John Jason Cole. Mayor Cole reported that he had received information from a source, name unknown, reporting that Officer Megan Hall was having intimate relations with other members of the Laverne Police Department, specifically with Sergeant Lewis Powell, Officer Patrick Maglieco, uh, including a threesome with his wife. Now, this is in the official documents. And Officer Larry Holiday, Mayor Cole also mentioned a girls gone wild hot tub party at Sergeant Eric Stat's house. Um, the internal affairs goes on in in gruesome, great detail of each one of these. Uh, one of my first questions to you would be: 
the three officers were suspended and I, I know I, I know you don't have enough information to tell me why they were suspended. right but but one of them being um uh th you know there was a lot of nude pictures sent back and forth via snapchats I don't understand why that's brought up in the investigation. If uh, I want to send you a nude picture of myself, this is United States of America, and I don't care what your moral beliefs are, your ethical beliefs are. I don't think it's unbecoming of an officer to send nude pictures on principle. Right. I don't even send nude pictures to my wife. I have, like, maybe like three times in my life. And I, but I, I just, on principle, don't send nude photos. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean homeboy down the street can't send out new photos. Yeah. And first of all, Eric, I want to apologize for sending nude pictures to your wife as well. Well, the funny thing about that is, is that like I get, uh, I probably get like anytime somebody sends a dick picture to Andrea up late, she forwards it to me. So I have seen just as many unsolicited dick pics as any other woman out there. I'm a victim too. Just for context, though, I, I, I and, uh, and uh, you know, Marlon, when you get a hold of this internal affairs report, uh, yes, it's not, I don't even want to call it an internal affairs report, but when you get a hold of this, this investigation, yeah, yeah you'll this case, I, I think you'll choke on your own saliva when you're reading this thing. I mean, he, I can't count the number of times he calls it blowjob as opposed to saying, you know, oral sex, you know, oral or, sex, or whatever. And, and I'm not talking about direct, like. You know, the officer said that she gave him a blowjob. He he identifies all these things as blowjobs. Like he's not. He, he I think you know he's he's writing for uh, Pornhub as well. But well, he's jerking uh, off while he writes it. He's probably, <laughs> he may very well. Be. He's he he fucking mayor's mad because he he didn't get in on he the action. Yeah, he's he he feels left out. It should have been a foursome. But so some of the some of the things though that they're talking about are sexual harassment, and they keep mm -hmm. referring to sexual harassment. Based on these Snapchat photos, is that sexual harassment? Is that say, right. if I send you? There's nobody that's offended by that because they're right. mutual. That's that's my point. Right. So let's let's break that down. First of all, sending nude photos or any photos via Snapchat or any social media type of um, platform, the act in it itself is not what's going to be framed as an allegation. It's the context of by which they're sending and why is it that you're sending so it's the why more than the actual acts in other words if you're framing an allegation of sending you know the way it reads that's not how the the allegation will be framed at least that's the way i you're right i would handle it i'm not going to frame an allegation that you while on duty on such and such date uh, sent nude photos via Snapchat to Officer X you see what i'm saying it's it's detrimental I, conduct is how they framed it you're exactly right so that in a sense, now the harassment part of it, harassment in my experience has to deal with the person who is being harassed. So I su suppose we can call him or her the harassee, right? right? It's how the harassee perceives all this information that's he, that he or she is being receptive to, whether he or she feels that this is like, I'm being harassed about it because you're right. What, what does harassment actually mean? It only means, let me back up. The value of harassment comes from within that person to explain why he or she is being harassed. Offended. So that part in terms of doing the investigation, those are the kind of questions I'm going to ask. Like, first of all, who is being harassed? That's number one. Uh, we got five, six, we got like, how many accused we got five and three that's eight and her that's what we have nine accused officers right yeah uh right so we have nine accused sworn employees 
I don't know who's being harassed. So let's let's try to break that down. And if I break down and identify who who's saying, well, I'm being harassed. Okay, well, explain to me what is it about this matter, this incident, or this whole situation where you actually feel that you're being harassed? Because what we're talking about is feelings. We're not talking about facts. Yeah, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. Every every interaction in here is um, mutually. You know, it's like yes, it's a mutual yes, it's, thing, yeah, with I mean, the exception and, of one look, incident. Where a cat's out of the bag, we have agreed that this is happening. Yeah, that's yeah. what it that's, pretty much comes down to. Besides the fact that three of those officers, the ones that were terminated, probably got terminated because they just weren't being truthful. No, yeah, they uh, they, they were definitely terminated because they lied. They, I mean, that was you know they 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 were terminated because they lied, and 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 I've read their lies, and and I'm I'm all for them being terminated for that. Um, I, and before you go any further, Eric, let no me problem. just interrupt it right there. What I don't know is, maybe you know, is during that official investigation, that compelled interview, how was it that they went about this actual faults? That, that's where IA gets the bad rap in a sense that Am I just asking you if you did this particular act on this particular day and you told me no, and then I move on to the next, uh, you know, I mean, that's allegation. what it looks like to me. That's what it looks that's, like to that's me. That's my like, point. So it says like, that, you know, they were, they were asked, did you engage in a blow job? And, you know, to which Powell denied having a blow job, you know, and the like, answer was, you know, what they did Marlon was uh, a, a lot of the times they would confront them with what the allegation was. Uh -huh. They let them cool off and then either new information would, new information would come in supposedly or in one case the the young lady she called and wanted to come clean so obviously somebody told her something like dude they already know that don't 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 be stupid so she called I, I and just, said, yeah. hey i lied i want to i want to come clean i want to correct the record on something which for me this would be like which a is more fine. Like a mediation thing right. it's like you bring all the accused parties in and be like i don't know what you guys are and doing their spouses yeah if you but like knock it the fuck off yeah. um uh, I, we're working in my 700 man de department and I, I don't want to say too much because I'm friends with, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm friends with a lot of these people, but man, I, I knew girls that were having sex with four five, right. six different people in the police department. No, totally. From totally. the minute they, they were in the academy, they were having sex with mm -hmm. detectives. Um, I know, uh, I, I know of affairs that took place. Um, I've, I've literally had to ask a gentleman to leave my house because he brought his mistress to my house. And I said, look, dude, like outside of the squad stuff, like, you know, she wants to come to his house at a squad party. I won't say it, but this is my house. And I, it, my wife is not good with it. My wife does not want your, your mistress. Uh, another guy on our squad was sleeping with another guy's wife and he had to, to leave the department. So, you know, it, it's something that happens, at least in my experience and, and I'm talking to other officers, it happens in every single department. I, right. I think what's my favorite word, Eric? I mean, I think it's also a product of trauma. I mean, I, I'm not making excuses sure. by any stretch right. of the imagination, but you feel and this girl's got a problem. This girl's got an issue. And I don't like that uh -oh. people are making it boy versus girl either. No, 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 no. And, she and, has some trauma problems that she needs to address. We, we, I know Absolutely. that we've all had discussion about like, okay, the memes are, are, are pedantic at the, this point. Like they're just, they're overdone and they're, you know, like, it was totally disagree. I think they're getting better and better every day. No, but like, people are dropping bombs. Th this is what I'm saying. And I agree. Some of them are very funny. That one I sent you with where everybody looks like her. <laughs> they're fucking but, great. But hold on a second. Here's what, here's the one thing that we neglect. They brought tarnish to the badge. 
and and sure. they deserve some ridicule. Uh, th- they're going to get it through the Marlin process, and they're going to get it through the failure to stop process. Correct. Now, what about their spouses? Okay, these people made the conscious decision to cheat on their spouses. The spouses had nothing to do with it. The kids had nothing to do with it. So now that they're now their mean culture, and that kid's got to show up at his his Cub Scout meeting, his Weebelos meeting. Uh, no pun intended there either. But um, h- how does h- how does that look, and how does that feel? Like how uh, this is what I'm saying. They used to end bloodlines back in the day. What's yeah. that? They used to end bloodlines back in the day. Yeah, the residual right. effect. They end everything. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> par for court. My thing is, is that when you become a police officer, true, what's the first thing they tell you day one? Don't you, do what? Well, I, I could, uh, I'm going to put. Don't tarnish. Don't tarnish. Don't tarnish. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to use a very terse uh, term, uh, a very terse saying that my first FDO told me, uh, and he was correct about it, by the way, because he proved it later in life. But uh, this badge will get you pussy, but that pussy will get you badge. It'll get your badge. And, yeah. and, and I'm telling you, I'm glad that he laid that fundamental, that was a fucking magic carpet for me because yeah. I always understood it and I always respected it. Well, my, he, my, my uniform yeah. was an anti-boner shield. I never, I don't know that I even got a Hofnar, a hard on for no apparent reason in my uniform. I don't know what it was. I felt so disgusted. I would change before I went home. I never went home in my uniform. Very rarely did I go home in my uniform unless I was just, Hoffner. you know, I had something else I to do. But this. The Hoffner. <laughs> Um, I never, I never heard of that term. I love it. Thank you oh, yeah, for sharing that. Um, you know, like sometimes you sit in church, you get that half hour and then they're like, can you stand up and turn your hymnals to page? You're like, son of a bitch. No, like, how am I going to hide this thing? Um, not holding the Bible, <laughs> but I had a board of rights. I can tell you from experience. We had a board of rights that, uh, had a husband and wife, uh, infidelity and he threatened her. It was a major threat. And it, it, it just, it was so awful that I can tell you that in this setting where you have the panel of two command staff officers and a civilian, and we're going through a full civil trial at a border rights hearing, I can tell you from experience, and, and I forgot to even say this, but I'm going to tell you right now, nobody, nobody, at least in my experience, no command staff officer wants to get into your bedroom, bro. No one wants to, you know, start judging you and scrutinizing what happens at home, bro. Because at the end of the day, let's think about it. I mean, dude, you're working SWAT or you're working, I mean, you're a great officer and you're showing up to work every day, producing, being a leader, you know, you're an FTO. You're, you're I mean, you're, 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 you're awesome at work. What does that have to do with what's happening at home? You know what, what's happening at home is at home, you know, and before I forget uh, to Drew's point, that residual effect has a greater impact with anything that happened because you're absolutely right. What happens to all the family members and everything that happened, you know, the aftermath as it relates to all the emotions and the personal stuff that you got to go through at home. But unfortunately with this particular incident, you have to impose discipline, no matter what, no matter if it's personal, if it's not personal, there has to be some form of discipline. Me personally, I just don't know if these particular type of incidents, because it sounds like it's something that's been going on for quite some time, Years. So even if I just, even if I impose discipline, how do I know this is going to stop? Or how do I know I can prevent this from happening? You know, in other words, what preventative measures do I put after rendering a penalty, after rendering a, an adjudication? I, I don't know that. And, and the shittiest part about it is, is that it got out to the public. And whoever, whoever sent it out to the public, 
did a mate. Number one, it was very self-serving. And number two, they just did such a disservice for the entire community. Man. Well, that's, that's, because you're that's, right. They're the laughing stock. They are the yeah. laughing stock of that entire state, let alone the nation. And that was somebody that that's somebody in that 60 man department that allowed that to happen, whether it was an upper man, it, it, my guess it would probably be assistant to the chief or, you know, somebody higher up like that, because this is a, you know, we love to do this in police departments. There's a perfect opportunity to burn everybody so far down uh, or, or tear everybody else's building down that you, you now have the tallest building. Like, look at me. Yeah. I'm the only canine that wasn't fucking her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it builds them up. Uh, but I'm glad you asked like kind of like what they were going to do going forward. And, and this is where I have a big problem is because now the department is making a way bigger deal out of this, but it's so blatantly that they're checking the blocks, which, which is another problem that I have with this whole moral and ethics things. Moral and ethics is another check the blocks. So, so when you, when you have, when you have a curriculum that is to check the blocks, nobody is going to learn that curriculum because we know that we're just checking the block here. We know that the instructor doesn't care about this, that he just has to get through it. And we know it's not going to be on the test and we know it's not going to be a quiz. And so what the department here is doing the same thing is they're doing a check of the blocks. They're playing the PowerPoint slide because they have to play it, not because yeah, I have to listen to it. And what they're doing is, is they're, and they said that all employees are going to go to a, a new class that will include all, um, retraining of city employees on rules, regulations, and expectations set forth by the leadership. They're also opening the doors for counseling for other people at work that they can, and people in the community um, to go and receive counseling for this. So, you know, a bunch of uh, to do hottie, you know, whatever. Uh, but I don't think what they're doing is addressing what Drew was talking about is like the mental problem yeah. that we have. Absolutely. It's, it's addressing Absolutely. the stress and it all goes back to, Again, the other check the block, and it plays into this is is the critical incidents, and and we bring you know every department has if you're in a critical incident, then you're supposed to come and have a critical incident debrief. You guys have that in Los Angeles, I I yes. presume. So we have that policy, but then you go and you look at people's ninety days evals, and you look at their case reports, and you see these guys got six, seven, eight critical incidents in your high crime areas. They've never been called in for counseling. Those dudes in those areas, they don't have time to go get counseling on their own, nor would they uh, want to do that because of their egos and everything else. But they haven't been pulled aside. And, they don't and, really take that seriously. They just, that's a check the block. We say that we do this, but we don't fucking do that. Yeah, no, no, no. We're a big preacher. Uh, one of the reasons I got hired by a savage training group is the, the we're just sick and tired of the uh, death by PowerPoint and the check in the box uh, type of training. Uh, there's got to be engagement. Killing law enforcement. And we're, yeah, uh, we're trying to do one of the reasons why you hired me is considering internal affairs is not the sexiest topic to be standing in front of a whole bunch of new sergeants and lieutenants. And, you know, but I figured, hey, you know what? If I can get the word out there to tell you, look, man, we get a bad rap and here are the reasons why. You know, the stigma of internal affairs is this. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, this is how you should do it. So that way we can create, uh, a, I suppose, uh, a positive light, uh, in, into this particular assignment. Uh, but with that being said, you can do all the counseling and reach out to, you know, Hey, come see me. Uh, it sounds to me, you know, you just never know. Maybe one of those members of the six, one of the 60 sworn members can go in there. And for all, you know, they might allege more misconduct. You know, right. it's kind of like you're opening up the door to probably more. Well, you know, uh, well, this is what happened. And you know what? You know what? I got to tell you, man, back in this day, this is what happened. Whoa. Well, you know, and then what does a counselor do? You know, oh, my God, you just reported misconduct. 
it just opens up the door to, um, it becomes very distorted in a sense that that's not really what we should be doing. What we should be doing is what Drew says in terms of let's really focus and pay attention to the families and really hone in on how are we going to get healthy out of this? In other words, there's lessons to be learned, but you know how conflict can be healthy, but we need to kind of hone in and narrow that scope as opposed to telling the whole department, Hey, we're going to have this training and, you know, check the box here and there. Um, I don't you know, know. Lord don't forbid know. we be real leaders, right? And then have to count on the PowerPoint. For, God forbid that you want to tell me that this fucking chick doing all these sleazy things, going to all these parties that not one person that she wasn't fucking was like, she's got a problem. She's drinking like every weekend. And you want to tell me that not one of those people that saw that wasn't in some form of leadership that couldn't call her into the office and say, hey, um, off the record, you yes. doing okay? You doing all right? Like, I don't think you're doing, yeah. I mean, do you think it's healthy partying so, like that? She's probably going to have an attitude. Mm-hmm. She's coming back. It's none of your business. No, you're right. Hey, you're right. It's none of my business. But However, I just want to leave you with this little proverb that, you know, and, and whatever, don't tarnish the badge. Don't become a meme. Do what you're going to do. It is none of my business, but listen, what your that, that badge is important, but your last name is also equally as important. And how do you want to be remembered when you leave this profession? Something like that. But we don't have leadership that does that. We have leadership that goes, oh, wait until she fucks up so bad that we can fire. Oh, she's got a drinking problem. She's got a slut problem. She's going to fuck the wrong guy and she's going to find out. That's what we do. Or we find out too late. You know what I mean? Like when the scandal explodes and and we're like, damn, we could have fixed this. And everything that we're talking about. Everything that we're talking about is what they call organizational culture is what I call cop culture. And unfortunately, and I say this all the time, cop culture will always dictate what you do and what you don't do. And unfortunately in that culture, especially those sergeants, those sergeants, man, those, those, those sergeants are bought and paid for. There is no way, dude, you're a manager, you're a leader. There is no way that you should be in any capacity to get involved. In, of such, dude, if you're having problems at home and you're not getting any or whatever, dude, you know, want to go out with your boys and go do what you got to do, bro. You know, but it's easier, right? And it's more accessible, I suppose, when I'm her, especially knowing her that she's been, you know, she's been doing it multiple times. I got it, and then you feel empowered by your rank, and oh, this this is an easy sell. That those two dudes, those are the ones I would question the most. The the sergeants yeah. and above are the ones where I start, you know, when I say when I start doing, I mean, I get the investigation and I'm ready to, I know it's going to be sustained, obviously, but now I'm ready to start analyzing and examining what type of penalty am I going to recommend? Those sergeants alone, that's when I'm having these conversations with uh, command staff saying, you know what? No, uh-uh. I don't want my sergeants, not only to, not just for the act of what they did, I just don't need my sergeants to be out there not providing that leadership. It goes to Eric's yeah, but point. You, so who you should have known at some point that she had a problem. And you know what? Why don't you call her in and say, hey, what is wrong with you? Is there something wrong? How can we help you? Why are you doing this? This is what I'm hearing. And you need to knock it off. Or can we get you some help? Look, you know what? You want to take some time off and go home and figure out what's going on at home. But- because what I've been hearing, rumor has it, that you going around sleeping, you know, with officer so-and-so and officer so-and-so, you know what, that, that can't happen here. That's not going to happen here. And you know what, I'm here to help you in any way that I can, as much as I can, 
so that you can get some help, man. Because this is not just an act. This is, you know, an emotional, you know, um, behavioral issue that you have been dealing with for probably a long, long time. And I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. This is what I'm. So, Eric, Marlon, Wolfpack, anybody that's a cop, this is this is what I'll submit to you. This is what I'm saying to you. At the beginning of this, we talked about Eric, who's saying, "Look, man, you got a, you got a bunch of sellouts that just want to wipe the 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 who are not necessarily the angels themselves, but they're they're willing to sell out for their department." And then you got Marlon on the other side of it, who's saying exactly what I think is correct. And and I'm not saying that you're wrong, Eric, uh, because I've seen examples of both. But what he's talking about is the culture of discipline, and. If you don't address these little broken windows things, now sometimes the window is way too broken, or sometimes the window is not even cracked, but they break it. Okay, so th- there's there's mistakes on both sides. If you don't have a culture of discipline, and you then you're going to have sergeants banging your officers, and if you have sergeants banging your officers, you don't have. Um, you don't have a grip of what's on the street, and that's what's important, the mission. You don't have leadership that's that's willing to develop the people underneath them. You don't have uh, leadership that's, that's uh, capable or credible when it comes to a citizen complaint. And it's just, it gets to yeah. that slippery slope. So this is the reason for a professional standard section, or this is the reason for an internal affairs section. It just gets misused as, in, in Eric's case. And, 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 in yeah, all- and, and just to add to that, uh, Andrew, it's, it's, it, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, just to, inter- to add to that uh, point about the culture of discipline, you're spot on in a sense that I like to add to that. It's more has to do with just misconduct. Look, if you're a sergeant and you know that someone's sleeping around with a whole bunch of officers and you don't, that, you don't know that's a Cubo, you don't know that's alleged misconduct, hey right. man, you know what? You shouldn't be a sergeant. That, that's that's, that's just me. From. Even an officer, if you don't know that that's a let, that's kind of like violation. That's not something we're supposed to be doing as cops. And you know what? Then then, then let it be it. You're going to say, yeah, I no use this example all the time. Dudes when it, when, and not everybody else knew. That exactly. <laughs> you know, when you're not in 60 man department. <laughs> look, <laughs> what happened in Minnesota, man, look, I tell this all the time with the protesting, you know, what happened with uh, George Floyd and all that. All my friends, I always say that I go, look, a lot, it's cop culture. Cop culture dictates what you do and what you don't do. Think about this for a second. You're going to tell me in 19 years at Officer Shoffin, you're going to tell me that was the first time that actually something like that actually happened? No. Which, by the way, I was never taught in the academy to put someone's knee in someone's neck. But, you know, we'll say that for another conversation. My point is, is that this dude's been on the department for 19 years. Minneapolis, last time I checked, is not that big. So you're going to tell me that every time he does a traffic stop or he has a, you know, uh, a radio call for service or whatever, any contact that that was the only time that he actually, it's an aberration. That's exactly what he did just on that particular stop. No, that behavior has happened and has occurred numerous times, but the sergeant turned a blind eye, the watch but commander. They didn't. He was clear from an eye. internal, and he was clear from an higher levels of review and all the way to the chief to say, you know what? We just didn't do anything about it. Yeah, he was and civilly he got training, sued. But guess what? He checked the boxes and, and watched the PowerPoint. And right, but he he was civilly sued for doing that at a school actually three years prior to this, um, and 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 it was unfounded. Like the, the the civil lawsuit didn't go through. He was cleared by internal affairs for putting his knee 
on the face of a child who spit on him in a high school. So like like, it was, it was accepted behavior was accepted culture to put your knee on somebody's face. Um, for him, but it is, you're absolutely, I love cult culture because you know, we see that story that what was it in Baltimore where they had like pretty much seized their own, uh, annex and you know, it was only their officers allowed. They even had like special hand knocks, you know, but you know, that was a culture that had been put in place that people had allowed to, to happen over time. And, and it looks like in this department that, like I said, man, it, it, obviously there was a culture of swinging and uh, orgies and whatever else mm-hmm. that the, the media wants to, to portray. And I do want to read one more article headline because I, I think it's just really funny before we get out of here. Um, let me go. This is from News One. Um, I know a lot of you guys go to news one for your, your news. I actually go to news two. So this Yo, is- <laughs> hey, I'm on news Ocho. So, um, but this was actually, and when I typed in sex scandal, uh, Tennessee Laverne sex scandal, this was like the fourth one down Tennessee cops were fired faster for consensual sex than police who shoot black people. Okay. It was far easier to fire these cops for having consensual sex than often is to fire cops for killing and or brutalizing black people. I just thought that was a really uh, a funny headline. Uh, the headline, though, that what the chief had to say about this is the last thing I want to end this on, and I'd get you guys' opinion. But the chief came out and gave a very heartfelt, emotional speech about how we've lost the trust of our citizens, that it is going to take us years to rebuild the trust. And I, I want to know what trust they're trying to rebuild by this woman and these guys uh, engaging in this, uh, schmutty behavior. Uh, like, do you think, does the public really give a fuck? Like the public is fucking things that they don't even know what they identify as. They do. It's a legitimacy issue, Eric. I, I, I firmly believe the public does give a fuck because let's, let's face it. The one thing we haven't discussed that I haven't heard anybody bring up is if they're having sex on duty, they're do they're having sex while the taxpayers are paying them. They're not paying them to fuck. They're paying them to protect them. So I, I understand, especially in 2023 in, in just to wrap wrap this with a little bow with what Marlon just said. We had this horrible incident that happened with uh, Derek Chauvin. We, we lost our credibility and it's because of what one dude did in fucking Minneapolis. So from coast to coast, Marlins on the West coast, we're on the East coast. We all lost credibility because of that. And we're all losing legitimacy very rapidly. So if you don't have this culture of discipline that we're talking about to include mm-hmm. not getting out in front of it as a chief saying, Hey, we know we fucked up. We are going to win you back. We promise we fucked up here, though. If you don't get somebody to get out in front and say that. I disagree. You, I think you're just giving. I just think you're giving headlines. No, don't say anything. You, but if you stick to the, uh, yeah, well, this was just consensual. We're just going to move on. And and by the way, Marlon, I, I would love to have you back on so we can talk about uh, the, the process of an officer-involved shooting so that the public can yeah, understand. absolutely. But, that it's way Absolutely. more than what this headline kind of leads you to believe. But I, I, I do think that we're, you know, listen, I, I made reference to this last night. When, when I got hired as a cop right after Rodney King, and I'm in Tampa, Florida. What the fuck does that have to do with yeah. Sergeant Stace, Stacy Keach or whatever yeah. it was? Like, I've got nothing to do with LAPD. I, I didn't even yes. know they had that special taser or whatever. It was. I, I didn't even know what that yeah. was. But when I pulled people over or I talked to people on the phone or I met face to face, I was just the guy who beat up Rodney King. I had fucking nothing to do with that. But again, this is it just gets back to exactly what you say, Eric. You, you tarnish the badge. You become a meme. 
we all pay the price. That's right. And I think that going Take. forward, I, I, one of the big learning points from this, and I think all of the departments should add this to their fucking PowerPoint, is <laughs> teach your officers, don't become a meme. Don't become, yeah. don't be that guy. Look, we all fuck up, right? Like we, we yes. all, we, we've all squashed a bag, a five grand, a five grand bag of weed. I, well, at least I, I have, uh, I don't want to charge you <laughs> with this not. weed, but you, you can't have it. And I scrub it out on the street. You know, we all do these little things right here and there that we, yes. you know, may be unfavorable. You know, might go out of the city to get your Chick-fil-A. I want the Lord's chicken, baby. And I'll, <laughs> I'll break any fucking policy to get my Lord's chicken once every two couple of weeks. I admit it. Crucify <laughs> me if you will. Uh, but I got to get that chicken, baby. Um, so, but, but don't fuck up so bad that you come in. You want to fuck your leadership. Okay. Fuck, fuck your sergeant. Don't fuck five of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to scratch out five grams of weed. Okay. You probably, you might yeah. get in trouble, but, but do you don't fucking uh, start slinging kilos of cocaine on the side. You know what I'm saying? We need to be like, like, don't fuck up so bad that you become a meme or that you become the headline news, um, you know, across the nation. Add that to your PowerPoint. Yeah. To, to, to your points. And I'll wrap this up in a bow as well too, is, um, I'm on the fence with, uh, with Eric. You're right. It is a headline. I think it's a headline and I'm on the other side of the fence when it comes to what, what Drew said is the fact that I suppose if I lived in Laverne and, um, my house just got burgerized, right? It's a four five nine, right? It's burgerized. And I call you to come, you know, investigate. I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, this, you know, it's a, it's, it's an emotional event. You know, you coming in my house and, you know, someone just came here and just wiped my house clean. Yeah. It, it, I don't think that particular victim is going to be thinking about, uh, you know, uh, you, you guys had this uh, little sex candle, but they could be. I don't know. Um, I want you know, my so, cop coming out to my burglary just after he got a blowy. I got all of his attention. <laughs> he fucking game on, dude. All he wants to do is catch bad guys at that point. Had my blowy in the bathroom. Lasted three minutes. Like, we're taking like 10 minutes smoke Oh, breaks. by the way, officer, would you, uh, yeah, why don't you stay a little longer? Would you like to use the restroom? No. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I, I understand what you're saying is, is that, yes, it is a headline. Does it tarnish the community? I would agree to say yes, because it's just such a big, I mean, they made this out to be huge. Well, now it is. And yeah, now now he, you have to address the community, but you didn't have You didn't have to. They didn't have to let it get so point. big. I, I don't know. I enjoy. Because somebody yeah. was going to find out. It's yeah. I enjoy, and I think it's so important to have all these police podcasts that what you guys are doing is because we're talking more than anything about cop culture is what we're talking about. And unfortunately, slash fortunately, right, is we have these shows so we can bring awareness and talk about lessons learned. But to me, I've never heard of Minneapolis. I've never heard of Laverne. I don't even know where Laverne is. I don't know where Kenosha is. I don't know I where Ferguson she was is. Laverne. You know, I don't know where, uh, what's that other one, Kenosha? I mean, there's some town in, you know, uh, up north in Maine where there was this, you know, scandal or big excessive force. The point I'm trying to raise is that there's all these agencies, these, you know, little pockets in our nation that have this culture that, you know what, you got to change it, man. And the only way to do that is to bring this awareness and this education and, and you know, having me on having all your guests on to kind of change all this stuff. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, to, 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 
you know, all those out there, it all comes back to discipline, right? You've got to have discipline. You've got to, you know, yeah. we wake up every and day Joe and we iron right. our clothes for a reason, right? We wake up every day and we shine our shoes for a reason. There's a discipline to it. In your home life as a police officer, you need to have some discipline. If you're going to yes. engage in some kinks, you know, do it, you know, what you do with your white behind closed doors, I'm, I'm not going to kink shame you, but have some discipline about it. You know, these folks didn't have any discipline about it. These guys are just no. doing whatever the fuck they want. Yes. Willy nilly. And it wasn't whatever they wanted. They were getting hotel rooms against their partner's wills. They were uh, doing yeah. things on duty when they're supposed to be protecting a go-kart rink. One of them had sex while one was off duty at the go-kart rink. I mean, these are like really like it's, it's an accumulation. It's a totality of the circumstances. You know, I, Correct. I it's not a, she banged five dudes on her squad. No, there was, there was a lot more to it. There, yeah. None of these oh, folks displayed absolutely. any kind of resemblance of discipline in nature or else they wouldn't have gotten caught. Correct. Yeah. That, that go-kart rank, uh, obviously had four stroke engines. Thank you. Um, Hey, Marlon, where can we find you on social media and tell us a little bit about what your next step is? Congratulations on your retirement and your new position, but uh, where, where can we f see your Hollywood face? Uh, definitely LinkedIn, man. Marlon Maracci, M-A-R-L-O-M, my last name, Maracci, M-A-R-R-A-C-H-E. It's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, that's how I've, we all got to meet each other, and it's awesome. Uh, my handle, uh, Police Discipline on Instagram. Uh, yeah, come on through, man. And uh, last but not least, um, you want to send me an email and discuss you know, any type of cases, um, which, by the way, one of my services in consulting when I was retired was just all this, is the fact that, hey, listen, chief. Uh, city manager, why don't you go ahead and give me the give me this entire internal affairs investigation? Let me review it with a fine tooth comb from A to Z, soup to nuts. And there's a couple of things I'm going to tell you. One, if it's not complete, then I'm going to kick it back and send it back to your I.O. to get me A, B, and C. But if it is complete, I am going to render uh, a classification, whether it's going to be unfounded or it's going to be uh, sustained. And if it is sustained. I'm not telling you what to do, uh, Chief, um, but in my experience, uh, this is the type of penalty you might want to recommend. And you don't know me. I'm a retired sergeant from LAPD. I've been doing this for quite some time. I have no dog in the fight, so there's no bias. There's no favoritism. There's nothing. Just consider me like a mini inspector general that's reviewing your checks and balances on this type of complaint. Um, and that's that's very important. So get a hold of me, man. www.policediscipline.com is my website. And uh, my email address is uh, mmarachi, mmarachi at policediscipline.com. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming on. We do have a live chat here. Uh, if you want to join us on the YouTubes, if you're still in the live chat, make sure you hammer and like that, uh, that like button. Hammer it like uh, Megan Hall hammered. Uh, five of her cohorts there where they, they hammered her hammer it like they hammered her i don't know however you want to look at it if you're a boy or girl joseph russo michael Hendricks, dead like media's up in the chats sarah kelch michael Hendricks, uh brian w all you guys i, I know there's so many bosco imperial girl all the time um didn't see amber hhh today but there's just too many of you guys to I just like to our paid members. I like to give you guys uh, Brittany Faulkner, Corn Papa's bad dude, Greg. Thank you guys for joining in on the live chats and, and for being so chatty in there. Uh, we, we'll probably have this guy on uh, Marlon uh, a time or two in the future because uh, I think it is important that we not just go by what I have to say about IA, but we have actually IA here to to uh, 
to fight their own battle and to uh, it not just be a one-sided opinion. Uh, so Marlon, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your thick skin and, and bearing with me and hanging out today. Drew Breezy, as always, terrible job. Until next time, guys, guns up. Giddy up.